From Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors, this is The Legal Lounge. Here's your host, Amanda Jones. Hello and welcome to The Legal Lounge. I'm Amanda and along with the lawyers and experts here at Lanyon Bowdler, I'll be bringing you a series of podcasts that cover many aspects of law in England and Wales. It's our aim to show you that the law isn't scary and nor are our lawyers. If you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialists for an upcoming episode, please let us know by getting in touch through the website lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast. In this episode, Dawn Humphreys and Holly Edwards from our personal injury team look at the challenges faced by individuals and their families when dealing with brain injuries. Hi, I'm Holly. Hello, I'm Dawn. We're going to talk to you today about the journey that people go on from the time of an accident all the way to the end of a claim. I think one of the really important parts is actually making sure you've got the initial help that you really need straight away. Do you agree, Dawn? Absolutely. Um, And I think that start of help is just at the point of the accident. So when that trauma has occurred, it's not only getting the paramedics there as soon as they receive the 999 call, it's getting them to the right hospital at the right time. And with a brain injury, it's got to be a specialist unit, uh, one that deals with um, neurological injury. Sometimes we see clients who've perhaps had what we describe as a subtle brain injury, where it's not really that obvious at the beginning of the claim. But as time possibly progresses, you can then see that they may have uh, a personality change, they've got memory problems, what might have been perceived initially as just concussion continues and then you end up with all sorts of problems. I think it's one of the really interesting things as well that you see in the media people say like oh it's just a concussion or um, you'll often see in films that people just get knocked out and it's fine they're raring to go in the next scene but actually what we tend to find is that that has quite long-term consequences for a lot of people even if it's not obvious at that starting point. I completely agree with that Holly and it's not just the client who might have sustained the trauma it's a ripple effect which will affect the family, the spouse, the children, the employer. That's something that needs to be looked at and compensated for both in terms of therapy and rehabilitation. So at that early stage as well it's important to get people around who can support for example Court of Protection will have a deputy who will act to look at the financial aspects of someone's claim and it's also really important to get a case manager involved. I just wondered Holly if you've had any really good experiences recently with both Court of Protection or case managers at that crucial time of the early stages of the case. Yeah I've had really good experiences with both elements of that. Um, In respect of case managers I think the really key thing is both getting a proper grip on what has happened and what effects does that have on the person for instance you might have somebody who was really really active and the fact that they can't go and do their local football is going to be a really big loss to them whereas somebody else the really big issue is that they can't clean the house and that's really bugging them and they really wish that their house was clean and I think having that kind of holistic approach and also that individual tailored approach to what does this specific person need help with now is really important. I also think obviously being able to link them up with the type of people who are 
going to be able to offer both the support and also guidance and therapy that they will need is really important and again kind of tailored to what is that person's aim is it to get back to football is it to get back to work is it to be able to go and have a lovely social evening with their family all of those things might be differing levels of importance to different people and require different steps to get there in respect of the court protection team One of the things they really offer a lot of clients is that peace of mind, particularly where they're helping with the family to know that that person is protected in terms of any monetary losses or any risk of financial exploitation or even just getting things a bit wrong because somebody who has had a serious brain injury may find that they make little mistakes with finances which will add up and which they do need support with. In respect of getting those kind of therapies in, Dawn, have you had any particular therapies recently that have been really interesting or different? We have. We look at a real wide range when clients come to us, not only those recommended through the, the medical experts that we instruct in the case, but also, as you say, tailored from the case manager's perspective and the client's individual needs. And we look at a real wide range of support. So it may be that we look at something like music therapy, or we have more active activities, for example, Outward Bound. And we've recently been involved with um, Kelda Woods, who's been taking clients out into an outdoors location where they will go walking or they'll do kayaking or activities which will really challenge them. Now, some clients with brain injuries, that would be quite difficult to do. Uh, So we obviously have to marry up the activity with the particular person. Some clients who have quite significant difficulties may be quite happily uh, working on activities such as gardening. What we try to do is, is get people out to do things that they're really interested in. We also look at therapies, for example, when clients may have physical injuries. We were recently shown some really interesting physiotherapy support that involved lots of is it cgi holly is that the phrase that you yeah use? uh well sort of um <laughs> it, you mean that it was all um assistive technology so Thank it's you. really computers <laughs> stepping in and doing things for you yeah so we'd got clients that were um on moving treadmills that would go both forward and backwards and from side to side and they would be trying to burst balloons on a screen and it was really really innovative and and very appropriate for younger clients as well Um, and I think that's one of the things is tailoring the therapy and support to the age of the client as well making it interactive making it challenging making it really exciting and then you can look at how those therapies then have a a positive effect upon either their physical or mental well-being. I completely agree. I also think that is one of the things with therapies in that for whatever reason, there tends to be quite a lot for more mature age groups. But I think there is generally a lack of things or at least things that people think that those who are young but have suffered quite a debilitating illness or condition can go and do but they would benefit from, which is why some of the things like music therapy, sports therapy, all of those things are really important to make clients aware of and to be trying to link them up with wherever we can. And I think also those therapies are the things that they can probably get their families involved in. If, for example, they're married with children, you know, it may be uh, an activity that the the whole family can be involved in as well. What do you think about... um, 
therapy for family as well, extended family therapy. I think that is really important. And I think it's also something that's often missed because a lot of the focus very understandably can go on the person that suffered the injury. And that's true even within the family that it can feel like they've got to be the priority because they're the injured one and they're the one that needs that extra support. And whilst that's true, it doesn't mean that there's not an impact on other people and that they don't also potentially need counselling or support or even just a way to engage with their family member in a really fun and constructive way. Yeah, I think the respite offered for the family is really, really important. Obviously, the incidence of divorce with brain-injured clients is really high. So that that for us needs to be factored in, particularly when you're looking at gratuitous care and support provided by a spouse. Will that be there for the whole of that person's life? Probably not. Not necessarily just because of divorce, but because of the effects of ageing. So it's really important from our perspective as well to look at the cost of getting proper care and support, particularly during terminal years, which is quite difficult and often a spouse will want to be there for their their partner of many years but we do have to look at the sort of the commercial reality and try and make sure that that spouse has the opportunity of being the spouse rather than actually the carer. The word respite as well is really important and it's an important aspect of when you're looking at someone's care needs in terms of thinking this isn't just for now it will be for the future as well and very understandably a spouse or a family member might feel like they're going to be able to step in and provide that support every day for the rest of their lives but there's lots of reasons why that might not end up being something that they're able to do. I think it's important as well to recognise that there can be an element of burnout for that person as well. It's quite a big responsibility for them to take on particularly if there are other sources of help that they could utilise as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think especially where you've got a child with a brain injury, the natural inclination for the parent is to take on that uh, supportive role, um, probably more so because of the, the issues that they get. But as they get older, it's really important the client with a brain injury also has that opportunity to have their own independence, whether that's living independently within the community with support or whether that's having carers in in the family home but it's it's important to also have space within the home as well for therapies and quiet areas and accommodation and, and support for families such a big area to look at and it really does have to be tailored to to those individual client needs and of course it's not that easy to find an adapted property when you're living in your normal family home so there's obviously issues there for the medical experts to look at and it's just like drawing so many strings together when you when you bring these claims Um, and particularly when you've got clients with subtle brain injuries where it's not always really obvious Um, I don't know if you've had any incidents of that Holly in, in terms of your practice. Yes I have and I think one of the things that was quite interesting to start noticing in those more subtle brain injury cases is what you might find is that the person functions really well in one element of their life but at the detriment of another so for instance it's really common that if you've had a brain injury you then suffer from fatigue and also something called cognitive fatigue which literally means the amount of time it takes your brain to think about something and and concentrate so that the normal task actually is that much more draining than it would have been before. Now, you might find that you can go and do your nine to five job and you can function really well at that. But equally, 
you might find that because you've done that you've used up all your energy reserves so you go home and you don't feel that you can cook the family meal that you can enjoy your time with your family that you can go and sit in the garden and enjoy being in the garden or all those other aspects of life that are also really important so I do think in those cases it's really important to see that person's life as a whole and which aspects are potentially being effectively exploited for the benefit of others so if you're for instance using all your energy reserves at work it might be for that person the best thing would be could they go part-time or do a less draining work day so that then they have some ability to have a family life i think that's really important i think perhaps as well with those clients that can't always go and return back to employment that vocational support is also available whether that's voluntary work but that feeling of self-worth social interaction um, is also really important for well-being as well absolutely and i think another thing we've not really touched on is that a lot of the really brilliant therapy that is out there is not necessarily available through statutory funding funding that comes via the NHS or the government so that would be things like the local council paying for things or as I say the NHS uh, the clinical commissioning group all of those are statutory funders whereas you might also have charities that provide funding for certain things and also obviously you can pay for things privately. I have a client who suffered quite a serious orthopaedic injury and was offered about one hour of NHS physiotherapy per week they desperately need more than that and the likelihood is if they have more than that they will ultimately benefit because they'll improve their conditions through being able to do more so for people in that position it is really important that you can use all these other areas of therapy and supplement what you get from the NHS and other brilliant community initiatives. We had one of our Brain Injury Forum speakers recently that spoke about nutrition and that was really really interesting because obviously if you're eating properly it will help your body repair, it will help you with sleeping, it will make you feel a lot better whereas I think the the example was that if you make your house of cardboard and stick it together with bits of sellotape then it will very easily fall to pieces but if your building blocks are solid bricks with proper cement and mortar then it will be a much more solid um, structure that won't then sort of uh, be affected by the other vicissitudes of life really and that was really really interesting to look at how the nutrition will have an impact upon things that you've just mentioned such as fatigue and also feelings of well-being that was quite an unusual take on a brain injured client really but sometimes clients with brain injury don't always think about the nutritional aspect of food they might be quite happy to just order a pizza or eat what's in the fridge without really thinking about the nutritional aspects of it so it's quite amazing to look at the different therapies that are there that 
the obvious ones will be sort of uh, you know, holistic, um, obviously to do with physiotherapy, to do with vocational, but there's so many other things that will be really important. Um, and we've got one of our clients with a brain injury who's just been given a dog as part of his support. And that's really interesting because now he's able to go out and take his dog with him for walks. So of course, it's increased his levels of activity. He's got the responsibility of looking after it with support, obviously, but it's given him the impetus to get up and do things in his day with more structure than perhaps he would have had without having this dog as as part of his support. And from a social perspective as well, when he takes the dog out, he then has the opportunity to practice um, interacting with people from a social aspect. He's got a limited number of phrases that he can use, but if somebody comes up and speaks to him about his dog, he doesn't feel threatened or challenged. And again, from a sort of speech and language perspective and an occupational therapy perspective, that is doing wonders really for his confidence and his self-worth really. Uh, and you wouldn't normally just think about putting a dog on your schedule of loss, but the improvement that it's made to his life has been tremendous, absolutely amazing oh that was quite an interesting learning curve i had when i first started working with brain injury cases as well in terms of recognizing that there are some problems which if you don't know any better if you don't understand how a brain injury can really affect someone it's easy to be quite dismissive of the problems i think for instance if you've got somebody who won't go and walk the dog just won't go and do that during their normal daily routine or who won't cook themselves a proper meal in the evening and just has snack food it's quite easy to say oh well they're just being lazy maybe that's why they're not bothering with those things but actually if you have a better understanding of that person you might realize that what's happening is that they're too fatigued to go and do those tasks or they're struggling to plan how to do those things so for instance cooking an evening meal there's actually a lot of steps to that not only once you get to a recipe stage of getting your things out the cupboard and chopping them up and putting them in the oven and making sure you don't burn anything don't hurt yourself don't overcook it etc but also you've got to have gone to the shop purchase the ingredients purchase the right type of ingredients and the right quantities you needed and then gone and done Uh, you're cooking it might be but at any one of those stages that's where the person's brain injury is falling down because for instance they can't remember what things they were going to buy when they go to the shop or they're struggling in terms of planning oh I've got some chicken what on earth do I need to buy to cook with my chicken etc all those kind of things can actually manifest to make that a really stressful and a really hard task for that person to pull off but that's where you then look at either potentially with therapy how can that task be broken down in ways that they can then manage it independently or potentially with a bit of support that for instance someone might go with them to the supermarket and help them pick all their ingredients and perhaps remind them when they're cooking things oh a bit long on that pasta you may want to take it off the hob yeah I think we had we had um one of our case managers was looking at things that were outside the box in terms of prompting and reminding clients. And this particular young lady would forget to take her oral contraceptive pill permanently. And the case manager was suddenly aware that she had a tortoise that she was very dedicated to. So the tortoise had a sticky yellow note on it saying, have you taken your medication? So that every morning when she went out to see the tortoise, 
the prompt was there, but they tried all sorts of things, prompts on the phone, little sticky messages around the house, but nothing worked apart from the tortoise. So I do think that it's, uh, it's really important to look at the client, see what works for them, as you said, and then also think, you know, how can we tailor this particularly to this particular client? Because not everything is the same for everyone. I equally had a client who struggled with motivation for their physiotherapy and their physiotherapist came up with a bunch of exercises that they could do with their child so that it became quite a fun interactive activity to do and they then found it much more engaging were much more motivated to do it so I think do have coming up with those sorts of innovative solutions are really important and I think if you've got a younger person as well it's important to have therapists of a similar age so that you've got that interaction you've got that engagement and when you look at places like Headway where we've been to support them and the day that we went over last not last summer because that was COVID the year before um, to help them renovate their their gardens and you look at all of the activities and all the range of people there and all the different support and the different age groups it's really important to get that sort of involvement to get the right sort of focus And I think an organisation like Headway, they've got woodworking, they've got painting and they've got sort of different skills, cooking skills like you've mentioned in terms of, you know, practising particular recipes. Uh, It's really important to have that whole range of support. And the social support as well at places like Headway. Like, I don't think it can be underestimated the importance that all of us find in terms of having people to talk to and to share our lives with. I mean, that's certainly something I miss during lockdown. And I think one of the sad things I've heard from the odd client is that their life didn't change during lockdown because they already felt that that was their life, that they couldn't go anywhere, couldn't see anybody. That's where things like therapy and support become so important so that no one should live their lives like they're in lockdown. And mobility and adaptation and as you say therapy and support are so important to get the best quality of life with clients. Thanks to Dawn and Holly for lending their expertise. Yet more proof that lawyers don't bite. If you need legal help from either of them please get in touch through lblaw.co.uk that's lblaw.co.uk and if you have a particular legal issue you'd like me to put to our specialists for an upcoming episode please let us know by visiting lblaw.co.uk forward slash podcast thanks for listening if you enjoy the show and find any of the conversations interesting or helpful please remember to use your podcast app to follow the legal lounge so that you never miss an episode that was the legal lounge from Lanyon Bowdler Solicitors. Visit lblaw.co.uk slash podcast for helpful resources. And please do follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode.